0: Welcome to the War Room Podcast. I'm your host, Jer, with my co-host, Adam. And man, do we have some things to talk about this week. Uh, This is the War Room Podcast, where the eye test meets the analytics. Welcome back. The first thing we're going to talk about is how annoying the Toronto Maple Leafs are and how annoying it is to be a fan of this wretched team That we all love, but we also hate. Uh, They are very up and down, very inconsistent, and we're going to look at some of the numbers. Since Keith has come on, I'm going to split that into two uh, 20-game segments, uh, because they have clearly struggled in the past 20 games. uh, And some of the numbers clearly point that out. Doesn't it make life so much more exciting? It used to. So when Keith first started, you know, we were all thinking, "Whoa, you know, this is an offensive powerhouse," which they still are. Got to some too extent. used to winning.
1: That's what I think it was. Yeah,
0: and then you know, the clear lack of maturity with this team is just—it's through the roof. Uh, Keith basically sounding like uh, Babcock 2.0. Uh, because uh, he was not. Babcock was not wrong about things that were bad. You know, bad with this team. He was right. Uh, in terms of what was wrong with the team, but he was not necessarily correct in the way that he approached them. So I think it was still, I'll I'll say this again, it was correct that he was replaced, Uh, probably should have happened earlier, but it was uh, not correct to just throw out everything that he had done and pretend that he was wrong about everything. Clearly right about a bunch of things. But that is one part of the Toronto fan base. Another large part of the Toronto fan base is geared towards the Raptors. So how are they doing?
1: Raptors just got off their All-Star break, or the NBA in general got off their All-Star break. And did did you watch the All-Star game? I missed it, but I saw all the highlights, but I missed it. I feel sad that I missed it. It was by far the greatest All-Star game in any sport I've seen. Mm. Like, the competitiveness in the fourth quarter. Lowry took two charges. He (laughs) took two charges in an All-Star game. Classic Kyle. He actually took another one. Um, LeBron... Just ran him over, but the refs didn't know what to do because it was like, are you supposed to call this charge <laughs> in the All-Star game? But outside of that, the Raptors just got off and they uh, beat Phoenix in the first game back from the All-Star break, 118-101. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse says it's an up-and-down game, but um, still, beat them. still mean, beat them by 17 points. Yeah, first anyone, game anyone, back. Is, anyone is going to be sloppy. Siakam yeah. scoring 37. Um, you. But the Raptors... Pre All Star break, we're on a 15 game winning streak. It just got, it was just ended in that last game against Brooklyn. So where they're they... just rolling along, regardless of the injuries. They just keep rolling along.
0: Yeah, I saw that game against Brooklyn. Honestly, I thought they played great defense. It only allowed yeah. 101 points. The ball just was not going in.
1: Uh, they might <laughs> they just could be... not figure it out. They were just like, maybe they're just like, oh, we're done for now. right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so okay, yeah. I mean, the wraps as usual. They're sort of where and. Literally, the Leafs organization has said this. We want to be like the Raptors in the sense that we work hard every game. We come out every game. We play hard. We give ourselves a chance to win, regardless of what the circumstances are, regardless of who's injured, any of those things.
1: I've heard Kyle Dubas talking about the Raptors. He has a strong affection for the Raptors, it sounds like.
0: And he really should. I mean, this team, you know they've had tons of injuries. There's no excuses, nothing. Still second in the East, and they're still going strong. And you know what? They try and get better. Every single game, even though technically they've already surpassed a lot of people's expectations. Okay, I want to talk about the Leafs because, man alive, are they like the most frustrating team to watch. Uh, We are speaking uh, right a few hours here before they play, I believe it's the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday. Uh, It's Feb the 22nd. They just had the best game of their whole season against a top team that was the Pittsburgh Penguins. They played fantastic. And some may consider that the previous game may have been their worst game of the season. One of. Which is, again, it's so good to point out the polarity where this team takes... And it's not that they take the whole night off. You could say, well, you know, they just don't work hard. They work hard for portions of the game. The problem is they then die down and just quit for... Five minutes of the game, something rattles them, and they're shook, and they can't get out of it. And the other team, just a wave comes through, and three and four goals go in. Uh, the first game against Pittsburgh, uh, you know, so two games ago. Perfect example. They are down 2 nothing after the first period. High event first period, as per the Leafs, because they don't have great defense. On both ends. On both ends. So high event, high event. Lots going on. They're down 2-0. Instead of coming out with some fire, you know, some some pushback, They get stuck another goal immediately. They get stuck another one again. And then they get a 5-on-3, a gift of like a minute and 30-second 5-on-3, a gift to get back into this game. Not only do they completely screw that up without really any, like, chances where you're like, oh, that should have been a for-sure goal, you know? Like, none of that. At the end of the 5-on-3, Pittsburgh, Crosby, I think it was uh, Hornquist and Rust, I may be wrong about one of them. Anyway, skate literally a circle around the Leafs in their own end because Freddie Anderson gives it up. Yeah. Everything goes wrong all together at the same time as it always does, and they go down 5 nothing. They get a couple back, but let's be real. It was over. It was, it was way over. Terrible performance. Pittsburgh then showed them what it's like to have a lead in the third period. The game was boring. It was done. That's how it should go. And that is exactly what the Leafs did to them the next night. They They had a great spurt in the second period. Uh, it's not that Pittsburgh necessarily gave them anything, I don't think. Uh, but then in the third period, they scored one. They locked it down. It was pretty boring for the last ten minutes of the game, which is fine. It really is okay to be have a lead and play boring, you know, and not have this be a high event thing. So, sorry. The reason I brought those two games because it encapsulates, guys. It encapsulates the thing with this team, which is you can see this high end talent. Oh, great, wonderful, lots of offense. But then there is also forgetting to play for, like, six, seven minutes per game and getting crushed. And especially when you play good teams, they destroy you in that time. You can get away with it against a team like Ottawa. You can get away with it, you know, against a team like, I don't know, uh, maybe even Montreal to some extent. Teams that don't have a lot of offense, Minnesota, you know, those kind of teams. You cannot get away with it against good teams. They will destroy you. Okay, enough complaining. Let me bring out some numbers that... I would say, in some sense, support the eye test. First, let's look at Sheldon Keefe's first 20 games. So, Adam, guess what? The Leafs were first overall in the whole NHL during Sheldon Keefe's first 20 games. They had something like a 78% winning percentage, a 7, 778 win percentage. They're killing it. They were ahead. I think the next two teams were Tampa and Pittsburgh. Corsi 4 we've talked about this is a shot attempt stat. They were yep. 10th in the league. That's basically where they've been the whole year. Uh, goals for percentage. This is just goals for over goals against. They were third, doing great. That's always a great indicator of actual execution yeah, regardless. It doesn't tell of. you
1: about anything yeah. underneath, but, but it does tell the end you result. The right. end results were yeah. good.
0: Uh, expected goals for. This is an important one we talked about. They were eighth in the league. That's higher than they had been in a while. Uh, they were about top top third, high danger chances for they were first overall in converting those high danger chances. First. So yeah. that is overperforming. So a little bit of luck. You can tell some of the games they beat Carolina 8 6. They beat New Jersey in overtime 5 4. Some weird games going on, but clearly scoring a high clip. Here's the one that really made the huge difference. I know everyone uh, understandably was upset with Freddie, uh, but the reason they were doing really well, their high danger save percentage. Was second overall in the league. Okay, their save percentage seventh overall in the league at the time. So top tier. So Frederick Anderson was doing his job. He was. He did have a a couple of rough games, but overall they were getting great goaltending. This this I I I I ended this sort of uh, pre stretch. Uh, yes, this is a pre-entry, pre-entry for him, entry. but also they beat the Islanders 3-0. So that was the end of their like 10 game point streak that they okay. had going. So I cut it off there and I saw that, you know, it was perfectly 20 games. They've had 19 games since, since then. Uh, Oh, sorry. Their, their shooting percentage also, uh, was third in the league. So that's a little bit on the high end lucky side. Even if I look at uh, you know the actual percentage itself, they were definitely on, on the lucky end. Okay. And then we talked about PDO, that's just shooting percentage plus save percentage. Second overall in the whole so NHL. So that means they're saving a lot of shots and they're scoring
1: a lot of goals. Yeah,
0: so performing, overperforming right now, overachieving. Okay. Which is normal. Teams, when they have a 10 points, you know, 9 straight wins, or I think it was like 7 straight wins, and then they lost in overtime, and then they won the next two. Um, when you have stretches like that, understandable. Here is the drop off in the next 20 games. Save percentage 31st overall. Absolute dead last. Dead last in the last nine teams. This is including winning 4 0 against the Pittsburgh Penguins the other night. So, could I just ask you something? Sure, sure. What percentage of those games was
1: Frederick Anderson injured for?
0: He missed four.
1: He only missed four of yeah, those games. Yeah, four of those
0: games. And then Jack so. Campbell, I think, he, I think he was ready to go, but he backed him up in one of them. Okay. Like he backed up Campbell, but he missed maybe five total before where he's technically on IR. Okay. Um, so he missed uh, those. So four he games. still
1: played a majority of the games.
0: Yes, he did. Sure. Yeah. So he was just playing. He's playing badly. Just playing okay. simple. Um, now we talked about high danger chance for percentage. Uh, what we don't think about is that the actual volume of chances given up by the Leafs because they play high event games. So, if, if we take away the rate for a second, meaning, like, their rate is good. They're getting more chances for than against. But the volume that they give up is problematic because that's in the top third for basically the whole season. Yeah. They are in the top third for chances for, but if you give up a lot, you're... To me, this is a high-risk game that you're playing.
1: Because right? if Which, you don't
0: capitalize on your ones... That's right. And they capitalize on theirs, So th- this you're is. On the wrong end. I wanted to bring back... Um, an old saying that let's say like before advanced stats came in that I people who, who who generally you know analyze the game with the eye with just our eyes would say which is that you can't win championships you can't win with just offense. This is like you know when Ovechkin used to play. It's like oh high octane offense, but you can't just you can't win with just high octane offense. This really this encapsulates that really well. I know i have use that word a couple times, but basically. If you look at how many chances they get it's great they're getting lots of high-danger chances for it. they're giving up a ton. So this is the gamble that you take, you know, when you have a team that's high event that gives up a lot that you know that that gets a lot and gives up a lot. It's 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 uh, a gamble. I would just call it a gamble. So last place in terms of save percentage. Still 11th, uh, you know, that's dropping 8 places but still 11th in shooting percentage. But the actual percentage itself t- Drop by one point five percent, which is a huge difference when it comes to shooting percentage. Everyone shoots ab- about ten percent or lower. So this is like close to ten percent to now eight point two. So that point if, you're,
1: if you're kind of saying that a team shoots thirty times a game, they get thirty shots in a game. That's what one point five goals every three games. So yeah,
0: yeah, So exactly. Two goals
1: every six games are just not. Getting right? exactly so, like, three goals every season. Yeah, games. three
0: goals. Three goals. Sorry, uh, points percentage. So, actual execution, they are 500 team in the last 19 games. Ouch. Coursey four, they're exactly the same 10th place. So, so does again, does not tell you much? Uh. Doesn't, doesn't tell us really, you know, a ton. Expected goals for they actually are closer, eighth. So, they didn't drop that much during that span. They were fifth in terms of high danger chances for but 21st. So, they were first in converting those high danger chances, they dropped 20 spots and are now 21st in that span. So that tells you, uh uh-oh. Regression
1: to the mean. Yeah, regression. A very,
0: very harsh one. Uh, And then, of course, high danger chances uh, in terms of save percentage, 26th from second overall. They went to 26th. And then their PDO dropped from second or, yeah, second all the way to 27th. So... In the span of those 19 games, everything regressed. Unfortunately, because the first 20 games under Keefe were a little bit polarized, so you weren't able to properly look at it, the polarity flipped, and man alive did they get creamed. Now, what is great news is that they actually stayed 500. Bad news, their playoff chances are are not terrible still because they have a friendly schedule the rest of the way. But they have made it really difficult for themselves, far more than they need to. Uh, they're fortunate that after Boston and Tampa in their own division, there's not a lot of strength there. So it's a fight between them and Florida. Both the Leafs and the Panthers don't have enough points to make the wild card position right now. So the wildcard is being taken up by Metro teams. Uh, right now, I believe it's the Islanders who have suddenly dropped a bit here. And uh, the Flyers. So the race really is for that third spot
1: in the Atlantic Division. Sorry, the
0: Islanders and the Hurricanes. Yes, yeah, the race will be for that. Now, if the Leafs can really hike up their play here in the last twenty games, I think they literally have twenty games left. I would say, you've got to win four. You got to win seventy percent of them. That gets you to hundred points. Yeah, uh, they're Which currently is at seventy-two.
1: Usually, like the the line that gets yeah, you into the playoffs. hundred points
0: will will should guarantee you getting to the playoffs.
1: I think right now they're on pace for what 97, 96, 97 points.
0: A little bit less. Yeah, they're they don't have the, the you wouldn't think that they need to win, that they'll be able to win 70% of their games. Yeah. They may not have to because it depends on how well Florida does, but just to be sure, they I would say they've got to win at the very least 12 of these last 20 games and they got to win the majority of those games in regulation because that becomes a tiebreaker. And giving problem.
1: points away, let's say when they face Florida, you got to win those games in regulation. They've given up
0: four points uh, in the last two games they played them. That's an eight. That's an eight point swing. So ouch. But they still got a chance. You saw it. We all saw it. A glimpse of, of greatness uh, in the Leafs uh, on Thursday against the Penguins. Uh, that's basically the story. Is that you see polar opposites, which indicates what there is somewhat. And I know this is a little bit of an eye test thing to say, but there is a culture issue that the Leafs have. And that is that their young players especially are treated very well. They perform offensively, but their defense isn't great and it requires a lot of support from their forwards and they don't give it consistently enough. And then just like lack of focus issues. They lost to the Dallas Stars a few nights back, 3-2. They actually played well, generally speaking. But Tavares, this is John Tavares, gives up the puck in the first minute of the first period, they get scored on. Matthews forgets to track his guy back in the second period in the first minute, they get scored on. All right? So, because it's one thing to give up chances, but the Leafs are giving up odd man rushes. Uh, if you look at the heat maps, that too is very damning. Odd man rushes, cross crease passes on power plays. Uh, just brain farts, generally speaking. So when they give up, it's like a serious, crazy they're, chance. Like they're guy giving I'm, up high-danger chances. Yeah, and, and there's a guy by himself in front of the net. So even if the Leafs get a high-danger chance, when they play teams that are responsible, it's, you know, there's someone throwing their stick in there. There's someone, You know what I mean? They're not, it's not a brain fart that they've got the chance. They've generated it themselves. And just but, uh, but watching man.
1: the past couple of games, well, I mean, that game against Pittsburgh,
0: I'm sure... Which one, almost, the first one? The first
1: one, yeah, the or, first in one. which they lost... Yeah. I'm sure the goals that they gave up were high-danger goals. Just, oh, just, just looking, at yes. they're all in the slot. Just Cross-crease, cross-crease passes, yeah. Pass. yeah.
0: Like Cro- Crosby is just was flying around. Now, we actually had him in check the next <laughs> game, which was shocking to me, but he, he was skating circles around the team. Oh And, yeah, and yeah. the Leafs defense is not great, which is obvious to anyone who knows what the team is like, but when you have such a high polarity in terms of, you know, you get a lot and you give up a lot, it's a gamble and yeah. uh, Kyle Dubas has set the team up that way. That's his fault a little bit. But they can it is possible for them to be more disciplined and play more consistently play more consistently. Those things, there is no that is not something that is Kyle Dubas's fault. I don't know if it's necessarily even Sheldon Key's fault. It's just
1: on the players. Yeah, it's say. on the
0: players. they got to be more mature about this. They're all getting paid up front, which I think feeds into the culture problem a little bit. When you haven't won, you haven't won a playoff series, you haven't made the finals, you haven't done something drastic, you've done well individually, you cannot overpay players. And I think the Leafs are an excellent example of that. And Dubas is now getting it. He, he, he's a guy that could not negotiate with the top players. He does a great job negotiating with the uh, sort of depth guys, he's done very well there. Um, But you're cap strapped, and that's a self-inflicted wound. All the top teams seem to figure out how to pay their players reasonably well. Uh, Boston has, St. Louis has, all these teams have, I mean,
1: But the Leafs do have quite a bit of cash left this year for trade because
0: of their injuries. They do. So they do have some, but it's again, it's you're playing a higher risk game than required. So you can't win. They they can't win. You're just rolling the dice here. Yeah, you're just rolling the dice more than you need to, right? And it's uh, you know, it's it's a higher. You've you've lowered your probability unnecessarily. Is what I would say. But look, the team can do it. It is possible for this team to play well. The playoffs is still a giant question mark, but hey, if they get a team that's not a sort of mean-heavy team, they will they could be there. It could, it could work. It could happen, right? So the knock against Babcock, understandably so, is he could not get this team to win in the playoffs. I think Keefe has had success. He can do it. It is possible. So anyways, that's the Leafs. Look, they've got a chance. They can do well. It's, the capacity is there. But getting them to mature, to, to be mature, to buy in, still a big question mark. Let's hope they turned around. They've got a chance here. They can build some confidence off that previous win in Pittsburgh. They can do it. Yeah. Let's hope they do. All right. Let's move to a team that has done it and that continues to do it. They did it and for 15 is, games in a row. That's that that the did. Toronto Raptors. They had a very nice schedule. Yeah. Just to be clear, but uh, they clearly know how to do it. The they only man. faced.
1: They only had three games against teams above 500. <laughs> but they still won. I mean, the the main the main point is that they still won the games, right?
0: That requires focus. Requires maturity.
1: You you saw the Clippers. I forget, but they lost quite a few games in the last stretch against sub 500 teams. Um, yeah. The Miami Heat lost against Atlanta last game. Oh man, Trae. yeah. <laughs> Trey Young scored 50. Um, That's a trap game. Yeah, <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they got trapped. <laughs> uh, but the Raptors, they don't lose those trap games, right? Phoenix included. They they still mm-hmm.
0: they made it they interesting. Played, they they, may make they, it they interesting. made it interesting,
1: but regardless of how they played, they still came out with the win, yeah. right? Which is something maybe maybe the Leafs have to kind of get to,
0: right? Yeah, they. Have regardless to of they how, have to you play, how you play, just
1: do. just have that poise to get through, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> so let's just talk about that fifteen game winning streak. Um, it started on January fifteenth and ended on February tenth, right? Just a, yeah, uh, a little bit before that All Star break, and um, obviously they were fifteen and zero. I mean, uh, but I wanted to just to talk about some of the stats and their rankings during that the period. win streak. Yeah, um, so let's talk about just the traditional basic stats: points for, points for, points against. So the Raptors were second in the NBA. And points four to the uh first was the New Orleans Pelicans, which hey. Zion is doing something over yeah. there. And um they they were first in the NBA in field goal percentage, they were second in the NBA in three point percentage, fifty percent and forty percent. So they were they were getting their shots in. I mean the defensive defenses that they were playing were um were worse. You could have I mean, they played the Minnesota Timberwolves, which aren't known as the greatest defensive team of all time. Um, and they oh, were up there, though. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were second in the NBA to so the Milwaukee Bucks, who were still scorching hot Man during the 15 game winning streak in a point differential. So Toronto was outscoring their opponents by 10.6 points per game, but the Milwaukee Bucks were outscoring still by, by 12 points per game. Still. Still. Um, and that corresponds let's just during the regular season like the entire season the raptors are only shooting well i mean they're probably not shooting terribly but their field goal percentage is 46 percent right 18th in the nba compared to first in the nba during that 15 game winning streak and the three-point percentage i know is pretty high still still second in the nba so they they were quite a bit better their point differential 6.5 so they're almost what, four points? They're scoring four points more per game than their opponent yeah. during the 15-game yeah, winning streak. Yeah. But what I want to talk about more is something called clutch time stats. So clutch time stats, the NBA kind of makes up this, this statistic based on uh, if in the last five minutes of a game you're within five points or less, they'll count it as a clutch time game, right? Right. So the Raptors during this win streak... They're eight and zero. They had the most wins during clutch time out of all teams that's, in NBA. That's right? a lot. Tied, a, tied with yeah out you know, of that 15, out of yeah. fifteen. So like
0: they made things you interesting. You could say yeah,
1: you could say <laughs> that they made things interesting, but like I was saying, that poise at the end is what drove them to the win, right? Yeah,
0: sign of maturity.
1: It's yeah. I mean, i sign a mature of, team. Yeah. It's sign of a championship yeah. winning team, right? Um, and during that stre- stretch, they were second in the NBA in field goal percentage. They were. Shooting forty six point seven percent in three, uh, for three on clutch during clutch time, they were first in steals. They
0: defense.
1: Their point differential was second in the NBA And mm-hmm. the eight, eight games compared to other teams who don't really play that much. The, the, the stat is kind of flawed by the fact that like, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks don't play many clutch time games because they just destroy teams. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors, sure. Sure, they don't destroy teams in that sense, but hey, what's more uh predictive of the playoff success, right? right. I mean, hey, can you win clutch time? Um, so that's kind of a, a gripe that people have about the Raptors. Hey, who's gonna take over during clutch time?
0: They don't have this star player, but I mean, look at their clutch time stats. But they also have tons of options. The thing that I love about the team is that I don't I've not I had this feeling last year because Kawhi was the best player. And there was definitely a worry this year coming in in terms of who is going to be that player. But Nick Nurse, in terms of his offensive sets, are good enough that you don't feel that it has to be one player in particular that takes that shot. You just think that they need to get, out of the four five guys who are starting, they just need to get a good shot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and right? which, which they're ca- more than capable of doing. Um, I do get worried when Lowry tries to play a little bit of hero ball. He does it sometimes, um,
1: but, but I mean, I feel like Larry's just trying to play with percentages here, right? Yeah. Like he, he's like, well, he if I take inside. this, if I take this, this breakaway three, we can score twice in in the span of a yeah. normal team's single possession.
0: Which I'm fine with at half, like yeah. or, or at the end of the uh, end of quarters, basically.
1: But um, like, I mean, it kind of gets a little nerve wracking when he does it. Pulls up with six minutes left in the fourth, just. To get a three, right? Yeah, I
0: can't stand the shot. I know they go in sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know the percentage because I think it's hard to. Calculate, it's hard to calculate that
1: type of shot. But, but
0: it's I find it annoying because I it's not a good shot. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's fine if there's thirty seconds left and he wants to go two for one. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him Fred does it every time. He does yeah. it every time. Fine. Or they just they do it often. Fine. Uh, yeah, like you said, six minutes left in the fourth. You know, it's a it's a five point game one way or another. There's no need for that.
1: And he's a polarizing guy, so I mean it comes with the territory.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so during the streak, right, like you're talking about lineups that they have.
0: Yeah.
1: So they played two main lineups, which were the starting lineups of Ananobi, Gasol, Lowry, Siakam, and Van Vliet, when Lowry was I mean when Gasol was healthy, yeah. and then they just replaced Gasol with Ibaka. Right. Um just recently, right? So when Gasol is in this is over the whole regular season. I, I, it's not for the last 15 games. Okay. Uh, they have... They're outscoring their opponents by 11.7 points per game. Nice. Per 100 possessions, sorry. And also, um, when Ibaka is in, it drops a little bit. Not to, smart players. Yeah, not, not... I mean, you can kind of see it as well, right? They're... They're getting outscored by their opponents by five point three points, mm-hmm. but they're still they've still been winning their games, right? So, mm-hmm. just to your point about Nick Nurse, he can make adjustments to that lineup that best suit the game itself, and not ride with the starting lineup to still come out with a win, mm-hmm. right? So, um, during this fifteen games winning streak, even though um, Ibaka might have been a negative in terms of that starting lineup, Nick Nurse switches the pieces so that Better, it's a better combination, yeah right? Like once Terrence, once Terrence Davis the third is on with Ibaka, they're outscoring opponents by a crazy amount, right? Over here, they have when Ibaka, uh, Terrence Davis, Kyle Lowry are on, plus thirty six point six per one hundred possessions. So like, there's combinations that Nick Nurse uses. But he are, needs to use them, right?
0: Yeah. That he, he reaches into his back pocket yeah, yeah. and says, ah, th- these, are the, these are the safety nets that I can use. Hey, sorry, not to, to take this uh, off uh, topic too much, but we did talk about this last time. Last night, guess who only played Garbage Minutes? Patrick McCaw. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Nick Nurse is, is finally <laughs> coming around. <laughs> in terms well, I mean, of some of it's not his
1: fault, right? Norm Powell no. is out. Um. But at the same time, he was not a very effective player.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, so let's let's just look forward to the rest of Toronto's schedule. Yeah. They have a tougher schedule. Them and Boston both have tougher, equivalently the same schedule, right? I Mm -hmm. think it's um, a majority of their, a large number of their games are against teams above 500 now, and I think they have three left against the Milwaukee Bucks. (laughs) So. Toronto's in tough to get that second seed. But did you hear about the new injury with the um, Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, Harry Irving's out for the rest of the season. So that second seed spot, for two reasons, you get to face either Brooklyn, Orlando, Washington, I mean these bottom feeder teams in the first round, and then move on to the second round where you don't have to face Milwaukee. So it's really up to Boston and Toronto to get that second seed from the way it looks. And here's the thing about Boston. Boston's been, over the 15-game stretch that the Raptors were 15-0 and 0 on, the Boston Celtics were almost, yeah, had almost like the exact same record. Two. So let me just see. They were 10-4, but yeah. I think they had a couple of losses at the end. But their point, their advanced stats, where are they? Let me just go on them. Um, The Boston Celtics, during that stretch, their offensive rating, sorry, their net rating was... Third in the NBA. So number one was Milwaukee. Number two was Toronto. Number three is Boston. Yep. Right? So maybe unfortunately in the unfortunate, NBA, in the NBA this the is East. in the NBA. So of
0: course when we do extremely well or yeah. we play consistently, uh, both Boston and Milwaukee decide to continue there. Yeah.
1: And Jason Tatum has been out of this world over Lights the, the last, last little while. And um, so looking forward, Toronto might slip into that third seed. But I think they're going to try to set things up so they can get that second yeah. seed.
0: Now you mentioned though that Boston also has a tough schedule. They also and have they're a tough really schedule. they're the main competition for that seed. Now that doesn't mean that Miami or Philly can't go on some kind of crazy run.
1: Sure, but I mean the, yeah. the likelihood of that is is, is, is lower. Is low. I mean like, Boston
0: is essentially a game back. They're a game and a half right now, but. I think they're gonna. I forget. Yeah, Maybe they, they f- face the Lakers
1: face next. Next? next. Next. Oh, they're on oh, a West yeah. Coast swing where they face the Utah Jazz, the Portland Tra- Trail Blazers, and mm-hmm. they come back and face the Houston Rockets.
0: Oh, their schedule is awful. They have a awful. very difficult schedule as well. Uh, whoa, yeah, I did not know the schedule was going to be that bad. They
1: they also play the Milwaukee Bucks another two times this year. Um, so, okay. really, it's hey, which team can execute against? above 500 teams better, right? Which is a
0: great test. That's a great test. Toronto hasn't
1: been very good against above 500 teams this year. I think they are, against the top four seeds in either conference, they're the only one who has a losing record,
0: right? Oh, shoot, they do. Yeah,
1: so I think they're 9-15 or 10-15 in games against the other, uh, against the top four teams in either conference, whereas the Boston Celtics have been... um, I want to have ch- a winning record
0: against. I want to have a look at some of those losses really quick. The Raptors uh, losses? Oh yeah, they lost. So
1: here's a few things. Yeah, I they mean, were missing. They were missing yeah. guys. Right against they, the Clippers, they already had. I think it was
0: they were missing Gasol and Lowry.
1: No, they they was missing, sorry, missing, Baca and Lowry? Yeah, they were missing. And then Anobi got injured during that game.
0: The Clippers game during yeah. during the Clippers game, which no, no, was no, tight at the very beginning. At the very beginning yeah, of the game, so he literally didn't even two play. minutes in. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So they lost that game. They lost the second game of the season against Boston near the end of the game. They, they lost against the Milwaukee, yeah. which I didn't think they got... I mean, the the final score, I think they lost by around 10. Yeah, but they, they weren't as bad as what that score indicated. They had brought indicated. it within four. And, I remember that. And let's just be honest, back during those times, the Raptors were running with the seven-man seven, seven lineup, and now they have a little more depth because they've been actually playing their players.
0: Yeah, because one of the things I was looking at is, are they getting destroyed in these games, or are they there? Uh, no, no, they've barely they've lost. There. They've barely
1: lost any games where they've been... Actually destroyed, they right? Did, there the Christmas get, the yeah. Christmas game against the they Celtics, but then a couple of games later, they, 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 they and they, they got played.
0: slapped when Kawhi came back to Toronto. Yeah, that was a bad game. If I because they've basically been been unhealthy for the rest of the games, which is why the reason I bring it up is because I think it's not quite fair to say that they they haven't played well against those teams overall. Meaning yeah. they're they're below five hundred. Obviously they haven't, but. They also haven't had, you know, a fully, uh, you know, running machine kind of thing. They, they haven't been up and running for those games fully, uh, especially early on in the year when they were getting beat. Even against Milwaukee, I'm pretty sure they were missing some guys, and they still brought it within four.
1: And then they were only playing a seven-man lineup at the time, mm-hmm. right?
0: And let's just talk about this 15-game winning streak. Before
1: the 15-game winning streak, they lost against San Antonio and Portland, but on like last second shots, right? Exactly. So, this,
0: so they haven't even been getting Yeah, this winning streak could yeah. have easily
1: been how many games? Uh, fifteen plus four. Nineteen game winning streak, right? If they just didn't allow last second shot. We can always say that for them as yeah, well. And, right? Yeah, they got lucky. Yeah, they, to, they got lucky uh, in the uh, uh, Indiana, to, that I Indiana game.
0: Uh where who's the where was the one where Ibaka hit that last second shot? Was that also Indiana? That was the Indiana that was game, the Indiana right? Game. Yeah. There's a there a couple of there others. was a couple of them that were really uh, against really not close. great teams. Yeah, Brooklyn they won by one. Joe Harris missed that. Yeah, that last, that last second back. That last second layup. Same they exact layup. score by <laughs> the way as that Indiana game. Um <laughs> uh, But
1: but think about it this way, right? The Raptors are producing offense even without who I consider one of their focal points on offense and Marcus salt, Yeah, who like uh, essentially starts starts the offensive possessions. So. Um, so I mean...
0: He's been out a bunch, too. This is the yeah, second yeah, time he's a aggravated second, that hamstring. Second hamstring so.
1: injury of the year. So, I mean, the Raptors haven't been out, blown out in really, like, only a couple of games this year. Yeah,
0: the so, Clippers game. I think so, they got blown out by the Heat once. That was they,
1: I don't think they even got...
0: They lost 121-110, I think. And
1: overtime. They got that game to overtime. Oh, that was the overtime Yeah, that was the overtime game oh, when Jimmy right. Butler hit that three at the
0: end of regulation right, to tie right, it. Um right, right. Um, then... <laughs> He likes playing the Raps.
1: And then also that game they lost 84-76 against the Miami Heat. They had tons of injuries. And at the same time, they were close within the last minute of that game, right? Mm. So they've been playing games tight.
0: That's good, though. That's good. But but now in their
1: upcoming schedule, they have another West Coast swing. Albeit against easier teams. Just Denver and Utah are the, the difficult teams on that stretch. But the game against Milwaukee on Tuesday will tell us a lot about
0: and yeah, even even the Pacers who are trying to find their own I- identity with uh depot back. Yeah. They've um, been struggling quite they, a bit. They have, recently. but but I think, you know, they'll they'll get up for that game. Yeah. Um and then right away, 2 days later, you've got the Bucks. So, yeah, this is uh I mean, the Warriors and the Kings that should be an easy, bit. sorry, I'm looking ahead into their schedule a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, here's one thing though that the Raptors still struggling in which you can probably tell, even during their 15-game winning streak, is their rebounding, right? Yeah, man. They're, um, so rebounding percentage. Is that a personnel is, thing? You think? That, I think that's a personnel thing. Yeah. Um, due to the fact, hey, Marc Gasol is no longer a great rebounder. Serge Ibaka, like on the offensive board, he, he doesn't... He, I mean, you see him get some offensive boards, but he stays on the perimeter, so like how often can he get an offensive board? Right. Um, so Toronto's 21st in the NBA during the 15-game winning streak, in rebounding percentage, which is just the total percentage of rebounds
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the game, what like what, what percentage did they, they get? They got yeah. under 50% of the rebounds, 48.8%. And um, during the actual the entire season, they've been almost similarly as bad. They are 19th in the yeah. NBA, 49%. Yeah, I mean, so, and teams have figured that and out. Te- yeah, so Maybe teams it keeps are... keeps them in games. Teams are... <laughs> yeah getting offensive rebounds against the Raptors, right? So in the buyout market, there's been some rumblings, although Cleveland doesn't want to buy out Tristan Thompson. One of the best rebounders in the NBA. I think up there in, let me just check, in rebounding percentage in the NBA. Uh, But the only issue is all these players are going to California. (laughs) That's, I mean... (laughs) The what Clips, can you say about it? The Clippers right?
0: and the Lakers. Uh, it seems like the entire NBA has just their eyes fixed there. <laughs> or, or at least the media in terms of what's going, you know, what's going on with the Lakers and the Clippers this week.
1: That's um, essentially it, right? Yeah. Reggie
0: Jackson. Um, yeah, they traded for Marcus Morris. Uh, someone else, I think. I just can't remember. I know Markeith Morris is now his brother. Yeah, Marcus the, Morris is his brother. The
1: LA-LA battle. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, rebounding is just the one issue. A lot of people also talk about, hey, you don't have a closer, but, I mean, we'll see on that, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's an eye test that's thing. That's an eye test.
0: Um, yeah. Again, I think the Spurs, for years, did not have a quote-unquote closer either. Like, yeah, they were like, like maybe I mean, it's Ginobili or Par- Any of them would do it, though. Yeah. Right, I don't see why the Raps can't be similar. In fact, you see the comparisons today, too, between the Spurs the and the The old school, yeah. yeah. Well, right. I mean,
1: they still had that transcendent player in uh, Tim Duncan, but he was aging at yeah, you know, the aging. end of his career, I mean, right?
0: Between 2010 and 2014, when they went to the finals, right, back-to-back years, yeah. they, they caused a lot of ruckus. They they potentially could have challenged the 2017 Warriors before Kawhi obviously went down with the infamous injury that then went all the way back to the Toronto Raptors. But, <laughs> but, but that aside, I mean, that team was able to do it with whoever. And I think that's how Masai, to some extent, will be looking at some of the vets on this team. Yeah. So going back to Tristan Thompson, he's 12th in the NBA in rebounding
1: percentage. So, I mean, it seemed like a perfect fit, especially with Marcus Allout, like a mm-hmm. second big. But, I mean, if there's one thing that they, they should improve on from that 15 game winning streak, it's, it's I mean, funny. they're shooting the lights out. It's just mainly that rebounding percentage.
0: So, one question before we close here, um, unless you wanted to chat about something else. No, but no, no. We're good. So, yeah. b- before we close, is my thing with Tristan Thompson is that he won't stretch the floor at all. I know, yeah. So, and the Raps to me have been super, have, they've been great on offense. And one of the great things about that offense is that basically Masai doesn't pick up a player that he's not comfortable, generally speaking, shooting the ball. Hollis Jefferson Hollis is a little bit of a. Uh, but I mean, you, also, you also
1: need that big wing defender, and he fits that yeah, role. Yeah, he, right? he could
0: play a small four or yeah. a small five, which is basically what he's done, because he, he's athletic. Yeah. But even then, he's taken a couple threes. <laughs> Don't know that he, he should. should. But he has, um, and his free throw, uh, his form is one of the ugliest in the NBA, maybe. Um, but is that an issue though? Thompson Cause he will not shoot. He's just there's no there's no jump shot.
1: i mean stretching him. the floor. I mean, he's a great pick and roll player as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just wanted to go back to the Houston Rockets. This is a little bit of a segue here. But did oh. you see the the Clint Capella trade? yes so their I did. their small ball 5 is 6 foot 7 not even they PJ list Tucker. him as 6 foot 7 I don't even think he's 6 no. foot 7 PJ Tucker so here's a stat about the Houston Rockets so I think 2 years ago 3 years ago or so when they were 65 and 17 2 years ago they were number 1 in the NBA in pick and roll where they used to have James Harden or Chris Paul being the ball handler mm-hmm. and they get Clint, Clint Capella to set the pick and roll to the basket they're currently last in the NBA in pick and rolls this year
0: so, <laughs> they, they, stopped so they
1: stopped using it right yeah and knowing the Houston Rockets, a very analytically driven team, maybe they found a hole in, or the hole in efficiency of a pick and roll, right?
0: Yeah. I think the majority of that is is spacing, though. It Just is spacing, to say that right? Capella yeah. used to clog them on. Now with Westbrook. So now you've got two guys that are high usage. That is true, right? Plus one to go to the basket. Yeah. Uh, I saw the, their first game against the Lakers. Uh, and the Lakers were flabbergasted. Uh, they have no idea what was yeah, happening, Yeah, they, right? They're, they're like wondering, kind of what the hell is five going out. on? It's a five-out yeah, team. Yeah, we have two. We have three Giants on at the same time and we're scoring obviously with relative ease but uh, they're stealing the ball they and, and then they got blown years. out though then their the next game so yeah. how are they doing actually I haven't actually let me, the Houston let me Rockets
1: just, in their past couple of games yeah let me
0: let me check obviously they've I think they've only had um three or four right yeah since in total the since they've <clears throat> they faced the Jazz next that should be rich that would be an interesting game actually oh, they because they could because they could be the four or five matchup right so so they beat the Lakers right that was their first game they got destroyed by the Suns, who similarly have a lot of length. They have a lot of big men. Yeah. Except, like... See, here's the issue, though. The you name. have someone like DeAndre Aydin,
1: who's similar to that I-can't-shoot center, right? Mm-hmm. And, hey, is that helping the team, making the team worse?
0: Right. I mean, it's so hard to tell. Now, here's... Like, it's such a weird team, so there must be some analytics yeah. behind us, but they lost to the Jazz by one. So with Gobert, that's pretty impressive. But then
1: here's the, the issue. Now Gobert has to guard the perimeter, right? Yeah. His effectiveness drops.
0: And they beat the Celtics by 11.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then they beat the Warriors, but that's just sort of a write-off game. They're playing the the Jazz tonight, but this, I, this is an unreal experiment, and it's a very bold one because you're looking at – this is their championship window. I mean, James This is Carden, it, this yeah, is it, right?
1: The next couple of years is it. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, Westbrook is 31 I think,
1: and I think James Harden is thirty. He's thirty, year, right? yeah. So
0: they're they're putting a lot of chips in here, and uh, they're betting on something very unconventional. It could work. Clearly, there is potential for it too. I'm still wondering about the playoffs. If they, it's it's a bit of a gamble, is how yeah. I would put it. But you, but you know what? You got to experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't won the other way. Yeah. Uh, although I, I tend to tell people I don't know why they necessarily broke the whole thing down when the Warriors finally split up. Because that was yeah. the only thing that was in their way. There really wasn't anything else in their way. Um, I'm, I mean, maybe they're looking at the Clippers and Lakers and thinking we're gonna be stuck with this again. But they're not as scary as looking at a stacked, hugely stacked team like the Warriors. But let's see. I'm not against it. I think it's interesting. Can't wait to see. And like what the interesting thing
1: is, currently as it is, the Utah Jazz are the fourth seed and the Houston Rockets are the five seed. So like this yeah.
0: experiment of of a dominating
1: defensive big man against a team that has no big men then play on the perimeter, Zero, yeah. it just seems like an interesting sort
0: of... Now, play. they do have a safety net, which is Tyson Chandler can yeah, play yeah. But, if it's really become an issue.
1: But, but he does nothing on yeah, offense. Yeah, exactly. So, so he's a pile on basically yeah. on offense.
0: So that is... I still can't believe that that's going to happen and that's going to be a team in the playoffs, but it is. But it, I can't it, wait to see it. It
1: is showing, I, hey, is analytics going to uh, succeed through this this sort of weird thing that the Houston Rockets are doing? Mm-hmm. The only thing we can do is
0: see, right? Yeah, for them, they, they use the analytics to get the right personnel. So yeah. let's see. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are going to sign off. This has been the War Room Podcast. Uh, can't wait to speak to you guys next.